0: Hey guys, welcome back to Ember I am super, 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 super excited to be back. If you don't know who I am, I'm Ruby and my co-host...
1: Kyle, me, yo soy
2: Kyle.
0: Yes, we co-host this <laughs> podcast and we were on hiatus for a while, but we are back right on time for Halloween with this super, super special episode because one, it's about Halloween... Of course, you would know that if you clicked on it, and two, it's our first guest. I was
1: going to say, I think it's our first guest.
0: Yeah, it's our first guest, and she is a dear friend of mine, love her, so she has such a good insight on Halloween, which you can listen to later in this episode, and it's just good. We're we're back, and it's going to be so fun. Our episode structure is going to change a bit as well as the uploading schedule. So stay tuned. We'll make an update episode just to talk about that. I just wanted to brief you in really quickly. Also, my mic was super, super like, um, muffled during this episode. And I'm pretty sure it was because I was wearing AirPods and not an actual microphone. So Which
2: we'll figure out for next that. episode. Yeah.
0: But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know we enjoyed recording it. And stay till the end because we do giveaway And make sure to check out our social medias for the giveaway as well. But it's important that you listen to the end because it has the instructions on how to win. So, yeah, super, super pumped. Stay safe tomorrow. And let's get into the episode.
1: Happy spooking. Hi guys, welcome back to Embracado. Kyle and I are here with Carmen Munoz. Hi guys. Hi, it's so exciting to have you. She is the founder of Delectable Nightmares, which is an incredible clothing line. And she also has a podcast. But in this episode, we're really going to be touching on the origins of Halloween and how it all started. So we're
2: super excited to have you, Carmen. Thank you. It's been a long time, but I love Halloween. Everything and everything about Halloween. But a lot of people don't really understand their origins and how it came to be. So Halloween, (laughs) believe it or not, it's a huge cauldron of many different cultures and things and superstitions that came together and just came to be the Halloween we know and love today. Crazy. I know. I love it. And you
1: guys don't know when Halloween started or like... How it started. This is the episode to listen to. And exactly. <laughs> started
2: over like two thousand years ago, I believe. Like, yes. It's that was the most recorded, most yeah. recorded events of Halloween celebrations or things yes. of the nature.
1: And it started, you know, with a festivity, a festival of like new beginnings, basically, and it's grown into a six billion. Dollar per year in this mm-hmm. holiday thing, which is crazy. But before Holy we get shit. into that, Carmen, can you tell us a bit about why you started
2: your clothing line and a little bit about your podcast? <laughs> well, the clothing line just started a few years back um, to where I was no longer the small, petite, fit Latina. I used to be in college. You know, life happened. So I kind of grew over the freshman 15. It was more of the freshman 30 and fighting with myself with self-image and how I'm supposed to love myself if I'm not a size five or a size double zero in jeans. So it was a constant battle with depression and a constant battle with me eating and you know, to the point where I ended up having a mania at one point. So I, I was just in and out of like clinics and you know, trying to get my diet right and forcing myself to eat so sometimes. I just said, you know what, forget it. After you know, trying to lose the weight, I couldn't, I couldn't even, you know, fit in my same genes anymore. It was like maybe year after year, I was just changing. So I was like, you know what, I gotta embrace it, love my curves because it was hereditary. I wasn't the only one in my family with this. I had sisters. that was dealing with it. Cousins, aunts that were like, you know what? You got to love it because everyone's going to have a big body. So deal with it. So it was to a point where I was going store to store trying to find jeans that would fit my butt, you know, that would just fit without me struggling and trying to squeeze and then accidentally ripping a pair and having to buy that ripped pair. Right. It's happened a lot. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to try to search and find it. And I could not find a pair of jeans that would fit the way I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I researched a little bit and kind of got in contact with distribution centers in Los Angeles and in New York and in, you know, Vegas. And I would have to buy big jeans and big dresses in bulk. Wow. In bulk. Like, I could you not, like, I would have to contact distributors and tell them, this is for me. It's not a business. Like, this is just for me. So I was paying freight. I was paying this. And I was like, well, you know, I use them. I'm not debating that. You know, I would have dresses I bought for years and they would still fit. My only issue was like, what am I going to do with all these clothes? Right. So I thought, you know what? let's turn this into a business, let it be plus size friendly, and let it be retro, let it be grunge, let it be all whatever it wants to be, let it grow. So I just started in my bedroom (laughs) on Etsy, believe it or not, it started on Etsy with, you know, knitting big sweaters for, you know, very large breasted women and, you know, knitting shorts for big booty girls. Because We all want to feel comfortable in those summer shorts. So that's what I was doing. Skyrocketed to where I couldn't manage everything on Etsy. So I went on to Amazon and then I just started launching my own clothing brand in March of this year, actually, in a group. I opened my phone and I'm telling my fiance, like, I have over this many followers online. Like, what the hell? That is crazy. And...
1: I think your mission and the reason you started is so beautiful and it's so incredible. And a lot of the listeners are going to appreciate that because you're right. Like most clothing lines do not cater to bigger girls and they don't know. It's starting to grow, but I feel like because it's a trend and everyone wants to be involved with trends. But it's still not as available as no. everything else. So I If you go,
2: awesome. if even if you walk into a hot top and you ask them, do you have like a 5X t-shirt, 6X shirt, they'll say no. Yeah. It's just not, a, it's impossible. You can't even do it online. You can't right. do it. Right. So I was yeah. like researching and trying to find a distributor that'll help me print shirts over for Excel mm-hmm. and just fighting with them on prices to where, Hey, I'm just trying to do a plus size line. It turned out, you know, like there was a huge demand. So I went with that. And a lot of my followers, they're big women, they're big men, but the shirts they buy, they don't realize that they're ethic. They're not filled with these fillers when it comes to weaving shirts and stuff. They're ethically sound. So I have a company that's based in Vegas and another one in Florida that prints shirts for me. Um, because at the point I was like, I'm not going to print these shirts in my house. Right. I don't have the room i don't so i've partnered with these people that you know use renewable products and resources and they have no chemicals in their dyes which i absolutely love because i have sensitive skin i don't know if you've ever had a dress and just have it chafe you know like so my my skirts even though they're skater skirts which i love i love skater skirts they won't chafe on your skin whatsoever which i
1: love oh my god that is beautiful and your designs are stunning
2: they're all Halloween spooky yes. days. I, it was, That's it had so to cool. be, it had to be a must. It had to be a must. Yep. If you guys don't know Carmen, go
1: follow her. She's <laughs> all kinds of spooky. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons I wanted you for this episode, because I think that who is a better person to talk about the origins with than you, <laughs> super excited and check out the show notes guys because that's where all your instagram and your links are going to be and stay till the end because we have a very surprise okay cool so let's jump right in so kyle's here you guys but he's been quiet but he's here trust me
2: hi by the way i'm kyle
1: (laughs) hi so let's talk a bit about where halloween started when it came from so it originated with ancient celtic yes the first, I guess, recorded Halloween celebration was the Sowan. I believe
2: that's how it's called Samhain, yes. Samhain. So it's very, it's still today a very sacred and huge festival between pagans, Wiccans, Gaelic, Scottish, you know, Celtic roots. And it's worldwide. It's not just in Europe. Like people here in California celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And what Samhain is, it's kind of like, Um, The spiritual new year for us pagans, which is amazing. But it's also like this time where you get to remember all those that have passed, you know, and kind of remember how they affected your life and what brought about change within you. So there comes the stem of the Latin American culture of Dia de los Muertos, which is a few days of a celebration. You remember the past. You remember the future. You remember the present. And you honor those that were in your life with altars, candles, food for them, not for you, but for them to bring their spirits into this world to celebrate with you. You know, and that's kind of that kind of transcended into early Christianity. Christianity at the time was a brand new religion. Now we're talking about Catholicism before it turned into Christianity, before it turned into Baptist, so on and so forth. So you have all these different trends happening. And by trends, I mean different sects of that religion. And people are celebrating Halloween as harvest. Now, I don't know if you've heard a lot of Christians will talk about heart of it. And we'll ask, like, do you mean sowing?" Or people will say, do you mean Dia de los Muertos? You know what I mean? There's different translations of it now because there's so much happening around the world. So when it comes to harvest, people are, you know, collecting their crops. They're remembering what they did this year. They're giving thanks at the dinner table for what they have and things of that nature. Now, when it comes into the United States, it just turned into Halloween costumes It turned into jack-o'-lanterns, bonfires, um, apple bobbing, apple picking, collecting your crops before winter. And that just was a boiling point. It's the cauldron I was talking about of different cultures coming together to celebrate the same thing. It's the same thing. If not, it's changed a little bit over the centuries. And I feel like A lot of Christians don't understand that, that they picked and choose a little bit from Gaelics, a little bit from Celtics, a little bit from Pagans, a little bit from Latinos, you know, from curanderos, a little bit from every culture in the world. Halloween that we know today with the jack-o'-lanterns. Now, the thing about jack-o'-lanterns, it was a warding ritual. So you would get... Not only um, pumpkins, but you get massive potatoes, you would get um, rutabagas, you would get squash and design these faces on these fruits and vegetables and you put them on your crops or put them on your land to ward away evil spirits. So a lot of people did this in farming back in the day, especially in Mexico, to where they would put these in their crops to ward away bad spirits from taking their land or taking their crops. Because a lot of people, especially in Zacatecas, where my family's originated from, um, their crops would die because they felt like the groom reaper was coming to steal from their land and to collect souls. So when they would create these squashes or pumpkins and leave them on their fields, they were warding away evil spirits. And this was before Christianity came and before the state was colonized. And a lot of indigenous people died because they didn't want to convert into Christianity. They, they didn't want to to be a part of the Spanish Inquisition. So mm-hmm. that was a little bit of history as well. And with Dia de los Muertos, same thing. You know, you would grow your crops and the majority of your crops were either sold or they were given to the graveyard to remember the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, so it transcends. And a lot of people still do it here in the States. So yeah. a lot of people here in... California in the high desert they still celebrate the Los Muertos they still celebrate Gaelic festivals of Samhain they still celebrate um harvest they just have their own way of doing that
1: definitely and I think like it's like every other celebration and I love that you hit on all these different points because that's basically what Halloween is and that's where it's coming from And if you guys listening don't know this, but it originated in Ireland and the UK and like Northern France kind of area. And this was celebrated on November 1st, I believe. And the day before that, it was Halloween. Yeah, and that's when they believed, or you know, I think they still believe to this day that they do during yeah. this time the the barrier between the spiritual and the human world is very blurred. And that's where the whole, you know, ghosts and spirits coming into our world is, is stems
2: yes. from and it reached. And from. another tidbit was people creating masks and costumes, that's where it came yeah. into play, especially in Scotland and in Ireland, and in the UK. So a lot of people believe that come Hallow's Eve, which was October 31st, a lot of people stayed home because they didn't want to go out. They didn't want to go to work. They would call off because they felt like this world was open to evil spirits, people that have passed over. So they would create these costumes and mimic and look like demons to scare them away. So come November 1st, that's where the recognition of the dead came. So you're scaring them away, Hallow's Eve, October 31st with your costumes and you're laying out candy and food the next day to remember them and to honor them and to kind of appease them. Like, hey, don't don't kill me. Don't kill my, <laughs> my crops. But here, here's food for you. You can take that into the other realm. You know, it's almost like sacrificing and like rituals and In a way, a lot of people view it like that. Um, I know there's a few religions that do sacrifices, but that's a different topic we can discuss on another day. I love that. (laughs) It is. It's its so practice So I, myself, as pagan, you know, I hear about other religions and um, a lot of different faiths that do that, which in all respects, that's fine. It just, it doesn't associate with me.
1: Right. I love that. I love that. Even in our own religions there's so many different beliefs and different interpretations and i think yes that's incredible um also during this time i was reading that they believe that during hollows eve and saw in that the celtic priests um they they can make predictions about what was to come this following year
2: yes so that is still practiced today Even in my faith, um, a lot of times we would do bonfires. So there were purification rituals to where you would also receive a divination of what's to come the next day or the next year. So a lot of people reserve Samhain as the new year um, to start fresh, to start anew, and you would rebuild yourself. And a lot of times you would go to these purification rituals and receive a divination, whether it was. Uh bobbing for apples was a very popular one. Lighting a candle. A lot of people um in the Native Americans would do vision quests about this time. And it was just coming into your own and learning how much you've grown before. And you know, just um you're basically your own crop. Mm, I love you're, you're sowing, you're growing, you're becoming fruitful. So that's another tidbit about what someone is a little bit. That
1: is incredible. I love that. A lot of these practices are still practiced today.
2: Yeah. It is amazing.
1: It is so, so amazing. And then now from where it started, we move into where, you know, Christianity kind of comes into play. Mm -hmm. And they started almost trying to change what it was in a way. They tried to get rid of the death-related things and make it more of a celebration for saints and that's when all saints day comes in and then they added also yeah exactly yeah so during this time do you think
2: and even the costumes changed right i went from like oh yeah so they weren't as gruesome as they were before like um they've kind of toned it down they changed the structure a bit to let it be a little bit more family friendly a little fun but also they did celebrate saint's day too sometimes um. So there were a few regions in Europe that was celebrating Saints Day to kind of um, refocus into the religion a bit and not so much into what the pagans and heathens were doing at that time, which was remembering and celebrating death and just growing within their own and celebrating life as well. Right. So they were doing Saints Day and then it cut, came about into doing... Halloween services, so now instead of staying home and being scared of what they didn't understand, they went out and started preaching and celebrating the religion and kind of trying to convert these pagans and heathens into their their religious section. So what they were doing was trying to convert a lot of Native Americans, a lot of pagans, a lot of Salts, and a lot of Gaelic. And they would just say, this day was reserved to celebrate all our saints and to thank them for our religion and our faith and to bring Christ into our world. So they use that to kind of market their religion. <laughs> That's the way I view yeah. it. They were marketing their faith into a business. That's when they started introducing tithes and paying. Back then they didn't have the mega churches that we have now. They didn't have the institutions that we have now here in LA, you know, but it was coming forth with that idea, like, hey, I I just converted this x many people and then you would receive money from x many people to build your church back then it was for that purpose building that church building that community that safe haven which pagans ourselves we do have that safe ha- haven but it's more towards we're not going to spend millions of dollars doing it mm. it's more about the faith and practice about it after that what they started doing was kind of saying all the pagans and heathens out there dressed as monsters um, celebrating with candy gifts they're our enemy mm. words, they started turning the tables a little bit if you read and notice they started labeling us as the sinners they started labeling us as evil they started labeling everybody dressing in black clothing and robing was in fact a follower of the devil when in reality Gaelics don't really have a double that i've known of wiccans and pagans don't really celebrate just evil there's Mm -hmm. evil there's good everything's interwoven you know it's dependent on the person and their intention so that's that's how you categorize the religion it's based on the person's intention if they have malicious intentions then they're evil
1: Mm. and it's so interesting that during this you know time the 19th century christianity is trying to like take over and change this celebration and one of my friends one of my good friends she is part of the christian religion and i was really shocked a couple years ago like several years ago to find out that her specific church i don't know it's a whole religion doesn't celebrate halloween it's frowned upon to dress up
2: yeah once that particular religion started to separate And go it separate ways. A lot of them shied away from Halloween altogether and shied away through um certain holidays. So there's different sects of Christianity that don't celebrate Christmas, they don't celebrate New Year, they don't celebrate uh 4th of July, none of that. Okay. It's just based on the religion. They try to save a certain day for Sabbath, which I completely understand. Pagans save a day for Sabbath as well, which is why we have so many different holidays in our calendar same with the Gaelics they have different holidays in their calendar because they save those days for Sabbath and then going on into Catholicism they wanted to go ahead and keep everything um under their terms under yeah, their way
1: definitely and I think it's something that you pick and choose what's yeah. right and what's wrong and I think that's where I don't want to say most religions are flawed but in a way they are because it's like whatever's convenient right Yeah. Now. All this is still happening more towards, like, the UK and England and, you know, those places. But then we see a shift where All Hallows Eve and All Saints Day and all these these celebrations move into America. Yes. And I think that gave it a whole different shift again from where it actually started. And this is where you start to find trick-or-treating and that becoming a thing and it becomes more of a community celebration and like per yeah. start happening. And I think that that is more of the Halloween we see.
2: It's all fun and games, but you can't deny that it's not this huge conglomerate that it's transformed the yeah. market. Definitely,
1: definitely. And When Halloween first came to America, I was reading that a lot of the trick-or-treating aspects started when people would go around asking for money and for food, house-to-house kind of thing. And the trick part is actually a form of doing, quote-unquote, witchcraft. Not so much tricking people, but it was more, I was reading that young woman believe that during halloween they could kind of predict who their future husband was by doing yes. tricks and i put that in your quotes with like yarn and apple pairings and mirrors and candles which i thought was such an interesting concept i had never
2: thought about the tricks and trick-or-treat being so this is where um the majority of your solitary which is conducting mischief instead of trick-or-treating it was more of mischief Mm -hmm. and they would go ahead and clothe themselves in certain attire to try to swoon and win the person they're tricking essentially but before then they would have their own ritual they would do magic and you know sorts of things would happen with the mirror which is called the witch's glass they would try to bewitch themselves into beauty and glamoring themselves with these um, spells and incantations and potions and try to swoon the person they were tricking as they were trick-or-treating so to speak a lot of it has transformed from that to hexing people to um, heckling people to destroying their property so it kind of evolved into Hey, I hate this person. So on Halloween, I'm gonna cast a spell on them. I'm gonna hack them. You know, this person did me dirty at work in the office today. Come Halloween, I'm gonna destroy their property. You know, and they're not gonna know it's me. So it kind of evolved into that. A lot of people went away from celebrating um, the coming harvest. They they stopped celebrating the dead. They stopped celebrating life and kind of took it into their own hands. Like I see an opportunity coming to where. I can benefit and get my own personal gain. And this is where the role of personal gain comes into play with most religions now. So like for Wicca, um, some forms of paganism as well study this, that you can't perform certain rites or rituals that result in your personal gain because then karma's kind of come get you or, you know, something bad's going to happen to you threefold or tenfold right. so that's where most religions kind of started to form and shape like no that's bad you can't do that and then a lot of christians started seeing that and they are like well now we have proof that they associate with the devil now we have proof that they're satan worshippers." it just kind of translates differently with different cultures and different expectations um, from what turned into something innocent and gathering for a group of cultured cultured people to mischief and you know uh destroying property um robbing people and just ha- wreaking havoc right. so a lot of a lot of um different spokes of religion different spokes of community started blaming people they started blaming pagans they started blaming the gaelics they started blaming a lot of people for things they never did right. you know to this day like we still get the finger pointed at <laughs> yeah (laughs) it's like i didn't i had nothing to do with your cat missing on halloween i had nothing to do with your truck blowing up on halloween it's like it wasn't me yeah no it It still happens to this day it started turning
1: from a celebration into who can i hurt basically
2: where you get movies like the purge there you go Mm -hmm. great example You know, um, know, July 4th, instead of being celebration of the nation's independence, turned into chaos. And mass murder, that was allowed by a blind government. So we can apply that to Halloween in this instance, to where something honoring life and death and honoring those that passed turned into a bunch of mischief and
1: uh, destruction and chaos. Definitely. Now we're talking about this happened over a span of time, right? So from where it originated 2,000 years ago, now we're moving into, like, 1920s and the 30s, and that's where, like, the vandalizing started happening. And it was a shift, like I said, when we first started talking about it coming to America. It was definitely a shift that, for better or for worse, structured into what Halloween is now. And this is also where we start seeing, you know, the 20s and 30s is where we started seeing vandalizing and the getting even with people and all that and now move into the 50s where it declined and in an effort to decline this vandalizing and getting even getting hurt the newspapers and like powerful pow- powerful leaders started to want to take away the scary parts and the grotesque parts and it lost a lot of its superstition and lots of
2: its core beginnings right well some of it does have its own super superstition like for example you need to light a jack-o'-lantern in your porch that's must a lot of people still do it they do it as a decoration but the superstition still remains of you know you have to keep the candle light on whether it's just a candle or a jack-o'-lantern or else evil spirits are going to come into your home
1: do you think that that has shifted a bit to where a lot of people just do it because it's the thing to do without really
2: knowing? A or- lot of times, yes. When it comes to Generation X, so to speak, um, they just do it because it's the norm. It's a fashion statement. It's a trend. It's mm-hmm. what everyone does, but they don't realize what they're doing. So a lot of older people like myself or people that are in these type of faiths, Understand the superstition, and the legend behind it. Um, right. So that's why we do it to this day. We do it because we don't want any type of evil or negativity coming our way into our property mm. or into our home and affecting our lives. But yes, it has shifted to a commodity now. Um, right. A lot of people just buy a, a pumpkin and mm. you know carve it for fun. Right. A lot of people buy a pre-made jack o' lantern and just use it as an in-home decor. or office decor yeah definitely
1: and then moving towards a little bit more it's crazy to think that it wasn't even that long ago where all these these shifts and these Halloween as we know now started really becoming yeah. popularized. because it was only in 1920, 1930 when it actually started growing and becoming this national holiday almost. It's crazy how something so ancient, I want to say like 2,000 years ago it all started and we till this day celebrated in such a different but similar way it still has its core it still has the history but i feel like a lot of people don't know that history because it's become
2: such a modern day thing yes it's become a very commercialized thing a lot of people um they don't understand that most corporations are now targeting them Uh, with targeted ads they're being bought into buying these products like people will buy decoration for no reason they'll start buying halloween themed items but they don't understand the real reason behind it they don't understand the legends and the myths that came into play Mm. that were actually real at one point in their lives (laughs) you know and like i was
1: also reading that during the 50s is when it started to become less of like a community and more of a like at home in the classrooms aimed towards children kind of thing yeah. I feel like a lot of people nowadays carry that with them because it wasn't that long ago. It was like 1950s when it started being more targeted towards children. That yeah. I feel like nowadays even a lot of people get to a certain age and they're like, mm, I'm not into Halloween anymore because it's for children kind of thing. It's like, no, if you go back, it was actually not meant for
2: children at all. Oh, no, it wasn't. it, It was more of a faith based thing. And I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of times you see a lot of stores like Target, Walmart, for example, Party City, Spirit Halloween, there you go, uh, that just gain a lot of sales for advertising to kids. They advertise them because they're attracted to the colors, they're attracted to their favorite cartoon character, they're attracted to all these things they know because they grew up seeing. They grew up seeing them on TV, they grew up seeing them at the playground, they grew up seeing them at home. And now it's become this huge multi-million dollar enterprise that everyone's getting a part of, you know? And they kind of forget where it all stemmed from, Mm. you know? Because before it was a faith-based celebration, you know, secret. It was, you were, you had to be invited to most of these um, Gaelic and pagan celebrations And it was a high honor to take part in these, um, you know, fire festivals and water festivals and Day of the Dead celebrations,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. That That is crazy. And like you were saying how it's now marketed and it's like this whole social marketing strategy. That, like we said in the beginning, gross is over $6 billion
2: every single year from candy to decorations. And they start early now. A lot of people celebrate Halloween early. We celebrate Halloween in July. Yeah. They start in July. And That's because end. they're celebrating Christmas earlier every year. <laughs> that too. <laughs> they doing, no, they started celebrating Christmas all year around. And they thought, oh, I'm getting so much in sales and revenue. Let's try Halloween out. So so real real quick, talking about talking about the uh, money that it brings in. So you had said earlier, babe, that it, it brought in $6 billion. It's really weird because I was on this random part of the page and, and it did say that fact. So i And and then it said, uh, making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after
1: Christmas. So I was curious on how much Christmas actually made. It makes totaling more than $465 billion. So it is number
2: one by a lot. Oh my God. Because the average American will spend about $700 on holiday gifts and goodies. Yes, and we have to do an episode on that as well. We do. That is insane, and all this episode so far,
1: like, has been so eye opening. And I think you brought such great knowledge into this episode that you, myself, I'm not pagan, so bringing you in was such an honor to have you here to share (laughs) your (laughs) beliefs and your culture, your religion with the audience and i think that's where we're trying to go with these podcasts to where we have people from different cultures come in and talk about that's their great and yeah and i i love that <laughs> you touched on some things that i wouldn't have
2: known or well i can't about. wait to see that epic growth in your podcast
1: thank you wow. it's it's been incredible, and I'm so happy that you got to do this episode with us. So I know. It's been a long time. I'm so excited. I'm so oh, happy to be
2: here. I love it so much. Where can everyone find you? Everyone can find me on my website, which is DelectableNightmares.com. They can also find me on my Instagram blog, which is whisper underscore scene. And they can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Delectable Nightmares.
1: I love that and I'll leave all that linked below for you guys listening in order to win one of her shirts but I'm going to have you guys do a screenshot this episode and share it on your social media (laughs) tagging both Carmen and Cal and myself and let us know what your favorite part of this episode was let us know and make sure to keep up with Carmen and all her doings because her podcast is coming
2: out of hiatus soon oh my like, yes i had to i had to put her on hiatus yeah. i love my baby it's just i had an idea and i ran with it and it yeah. grew overnight i was like wow Incredible. Like, i can't believe everyone supported my dream you know because i thought this was just going to be a side hustle and it turned out to being a second job I love you know that. hopefully come 2020 i can bring back my podcast oh yeah so
1: guys make sure to follow carmen and all her doings because she's doing incredible work and thank you so proud of you thank you so much for joining us thanks guys i hope you guys tune in for the next episode